0: New
1: York, New York, big city of dreams i straight
2: out, out New York, New York, big city of dreams NYC What's going on? It's Jayless from Nick and Tom's show here giving you that Nick's talk just in the nick of time and we've had a lot happen for us in these last few weeks but the biggest news of the last few weeks is... The Knicks finally know their draft order, and we are picking number eight. Number one, we're not so lucky. Uh, Listen, we haven't had a first-round draft pick since, what? what,
1: 1985?
2: 1985. Uh, (laughs) Every year we picked, we've gone lower than we placed, and this year is no different. But it is what it is. Uh, Before we even get into the details of that, I'm going to just introduce everybody. Um, below left corner of the screen <laughs> welcome back
0: welcome Mi- back
2: Ms. Black Girl Magic yourself.
0: okay still
2: alright bottom right of the screen is the man the myth the legend the guy with the stats and the facts Ryan G in the building damn right he's in this building <laughs> and right of the screen Another legend in his own right, set KOT on fire when he was here a few months ago. Got a few YouTubers mad at him, but it's okay, man. The YouTubers just get mad. This comes with territory. Very knowledgeable, though. (laughs) Very rare lights for most for for most of the people who watch the show. The one and only drafts aficionado, Jake in the paint.
3: <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, first of all I appreciate you guys having me back second I appreciate the uh, very kind introduction I'm blanking on which NFL player said it or maybe I mean it's been said before but at least if 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 you don't have haters you're not popping so I'm <laughs> glad that I could have a couple Halliburton stands mad at me in the YouTube comments <laughs> I know I know we'll talk about him today but I appreciate you guys having me back and let's have some fun talking next draft
2: hell yeah oh. and for those who are mad at that Halley um that Halley breakdown. He was right. I'm sorry. He was right. Jake was right. <laughs> Halley has no handles. You just might as well call him Halley no handles. All right. He's a really good player, though. He's a really good player. He's a really good player, but not for the team. But we'll talk about player. that later. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jake. So um, Knicks are picking eighth. And I know you have in your mind who will be available and who won't. So what's mm-hmm. kind of just break down your pick and your vision for the Knicks in The eighth spot, who's the first person you would like to speak about? Um, let's I think let's start off with Killian. Hell yeah, let's start. But before you get into Killian, mm-hmm. I got into a mini argument because not an argument, but a debate. Because I didn't believe Killian was gonna be there. At eight. I don't think so. Because the troll I mean, so, is in front of us.
3: But go ahead. I don't I don't think he should be there. Like, I, I don't think he should slip past four. I think he should be top of Chicago's board at four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and then you have Cleveland. I don't think is going to take him Atlanta. I don't think it makes much sense. But then you do have Detroit, who um right, a little bit of everything. So I, I, he shouldn't get to us, but his stock is right around that like ten to late lottery range. For some reason, he's just not gaining that traction, and it appears like within the league that guys like Halliburton, Obi Toppin. Onyeko Kong Wu, like there seems to be a consensus of guys, Denny, that are kind of locked in to go ahead of him, regardless of what guys need. Mm. So I think Killian will be there for us. And I think he's the number one option for me by a pretty big margin. Now that we can't get Lamelo, I think he's the go to guy. And if he's there on the board, I'm sprinting to the podium.
2: Absolutely for me as well, because I don't know. I know for me, I just wanted bare minimum, I just wanted sixth. And the reason why I wanted that was all right, all right, cool. I figured we beat in front of Detroit. I know Detroit is probably our biggest competitor for a point guard after Mm. Lamelo, and the fact that we're right behind Detroit just pissed me off.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So I mean, I definitely like. There's some teams you definitely want to get in front of, like. In my opinion, Chicago is one of those teams, but Mm -hmm. I think Chicago got so high up that, like, they're going to go best player available and the league values like Obi Toppin or Denny. I mean, I have Denny top six, whatever, and I like Obi Toppin top 10. I wouldn't get mad at you if you took him five, whatever. But I I mean, I think they should go get a point guard, right? You have Kobe White, you have Zach Levine, you don't exactly have ball movers, and Killian Hayes, great passer, and he can really kind of just set the table for everyone. Absolutely. So I, I think there are still teams that, like, if we climbed up and Atlanta was in front of us, I wouldn't be too tight about it. Like, if we climbed up, I'm trying to think of, like, other teams. I mean, Golden State, who knows what they're going to do. But teams like that. Um, mm-hmm. Detroit is definitely one of the teams that I wanted to be ahead of because, for, sure. for that exact mm-hmm. reason. But I just think, like, look, the, it, I hate to be this guy that's, like, I'm happy we didn't go higher because I don't like those people because, like, you want the highest traffic as possible. Exactly. Like, it's kind don't of don't
2: make up. me not like you, Jake.
0: However, <laughs> I'm co-signing. I'm co-signing Jane.
2: I'm gonna say one thing. You <laughs> always co-signing um, losing. Yep. I, I'm, I, I'm, not at all. I'm <laughs> gonna say one thing. I'm gonna say
3: one thing. For me, the two top guys were Lamelo and Killian Hayes, hands down. Right. Lamello isn't is gonna be a top three pick. So if it's like, okay, if you're getting into top three, you're getting to top two, that's your guy. Whatever. Right. If you're not doing that. I don't think you pick Killian Hayes at five. Like, I think we would pick Denny or Obi Toppin mm. or someone like that who just where they're like trade, or not trade value, draft value among the league is like, that's their range right now. And I don't know if we would like make that quote unquote reach for Killian. However, versus if we're at eight and someone like Ob. And Okongwu is off the board and Denny's off the board. Maybe that makes us more inclined to make the right pick. I don't know. I'm like, I'm see, actually he, not all that mad at eight because like we can talk about Killian and then someone, Devin Vassell, two people I love and I would love the Knicks to get. Like that's prime range for them. And I think those are two of the better picks we could make. And I don't think we necessarily make them
2: if we're at five. You know, if you guys see,
3: know what I'm trying to say.
2: See, I thought the opposite mm-hmm. because of the news, the the the, the news leaves I was seeing all year, how the Knicks were... Seemed like they were just really headstrong on, on interviewing all these point guards. I just just knew if Lamelo was not available, we would either a get Killian or b trade up if we drafted high enough to try to get Lamelo. Mm-hmm. But now that to me, now that we're eight, it makes it seem even less likely we would trade up for him. But yeah. um, some people think otherwise because of the way the numbers fall. But that's a whole other conversation.
3: I mean, I I'm just gonna be straight up. I don't think we have the juice to trade up to number two. Me I, I don't know. I don't know what golden state w- would want from us that we can contribute <laughs> to them now. Like we, we all know what our basketball team has and we all know what golden state wants and golden state wants to win now. And they want a piece that can contribute on a championship team. And I don't think we have that. So I, I don't, yes, I would love to go to trade-ups number two and get a ball, but I, I won. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't see how it works for either side. To be honest, uh, it doesn't really make much sense.
2: Interestingly enough, I've heard from um, Spencer. He says, mm-hmm. he says, uh, Golden State likes Denny. And I was like, really? He's like, they yeah. really like him. And I was like, that makes perfect sense to me because he's a play-play yeah. play guy for him. So he feels like the can drop or, and other people feel like the middle can drop as low as like four or five. And I'm like, that just sounds too crazy to me. This yeah, I mean, I,
3: I don't think he gets past three at Charlotte. Me neither. I, I, I think Charlotte... Also sprints to the podium if he's there number three. Uh, if he falls past three, I would be shocked if the Bulls let him Same. fall. I, I I just think like there's too many teams in the top four that make sense for Lamelo. Um, I don't think Minnesota makes sense, but Golden State, I, I think that fit is a little bit less catastrophic than others do if they keep the pick and whoever they move the pick is likely going to be trading up to get him. So he would make sense there. And then three and four, he makes perfect sense. I'd be shocked if we get anywhere near him. But I mean, we can talk about Killian because Killian's going to be there, I think. I think he's Mm going to be there. And I think that's the right pick for us. Um, You get two left, we talked about this before, kind of two left hand, really left hand dominant players and him and RJ Barrett, which is not a good thing by any means. Mm -hmm. However, I don't really, I don't know how you guys feel about RJ. Um, I like RJ, I think he can be a really good piece. However, I don't think he is the cornerstone of the team for the future. Like I still think we're looking for that guy. Um, So I'm a little bit less, like it's a a less of a turnoff for me that Killian Hayes is super left-hand dominant because Mm. the Knicks team at their peak, like if we're talking like five or six years from now that I picture, like, doesn't include R.J. Barrett shouldering, like, a heavy offensive usage, you know? It can be, like, him just doing, little, like, he has a knack for the ball, and he, right. has a, he has a knack for putting the ball in the basket. And I think like, when he was at Montverde, he was surrounded by a ton of talent. He had, he played alongside two elite ball handlers and guards in Mike DeVoe and Andrew Demhard. So, he was more of like, he still put up 25 game, don't get me wrong, but it was more, it was a lot more off ball action. So it was a lot more dribble handoffs. It was a lot more back cuts, offensive rebounds, putbacks. It wasn't pick and roll, ISO heavy stuff. So if you subscribe to that theory that I'm throwing out there, the idea of getting Killian Hayes in there and then later down the line, getting other offensive pieces that could carry the usage, it makes like the left-hand dominance a little bit less of an issue.
2: I see what you're saying.
3: You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I just think we're way too far away from projecting fit with amongst our team. And I think Killian Hayes is a really, really good prospect who's going to be a good NBA point guard, like, a ver- like an above average NBA point guard for a long time. I don't know if he is the star ceiling, but he has made rapid athletic and skill improvements over the past couple of years. Big, strong guard. It's really impressive, like footwork off the bounce in terms of like step backs, catch, like just getting to his spots. He's mm-hmm. great touch on floaters. He's a great passer. Uh, my biggest concern is the catch and shoot shooting. Like he's right. not mm-hmm. good there. We talked about that. Yeah. But if you're talking about the Knicks, like there, he wouldn't really have to go off ball that much. He just wouldn't. Um, I'm make like imagining a pick and roll with him and Mitch. Like that would be awesome. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, then the organization just to surround him with some shooters. And that is something that we didn't have. And if you want to maximize Killian, if you want to maximize any point guard, uh, you have to have shooting around them. And you have to keep yeah. defenses honest in their help responsibility. So I think Killian is the, good, the go-to pick for me. But there's a couple other guys that I would be happy with as well.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm definitely on Team Killian. If Killian is there at 8, I am running to the podium and not turning back, and I'm skipping Ooh. back, with, like tear. I am. Oh, I ecstatic. Hundred percent. Yeah,
3: I. That's that's <laughs> the play. Hundred percent.
2: And like, and, and for me, like we've talked about this before, with his shooting. And although he's not good on the catch and shoot, oh, side of the ball, I still feel like that's gonna come around. He shoots too good from 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 the free throw line. Oh yeah, he's I mean, too good of a step back to for that to be it. You know. Yeah.
3: So so I mean, what I. Uh, kind of point it towards is just reps and lack of comfort with game reps off the ball. Uh, we're kind of talking about someone who has always had the ball in his hands with the exception of when he played FIBO with Maladon. That was kind of a complicated situation. Like, that's a, it's an interesting watch because they're not as cohesive, like playing off of each other as you would expect. It's kind of like, Oh, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Mm-hmm. So while like, although he was playing off of Maladon, it like wasn't those off ball reps that you would kind of want or expect at a young age. So he's kind of the ball in his hands for the majority of his development. And he's super comfortable shooting off the bounce and less comfortable off the catch. And like, that's rare. I I think Tyrese Maxey is like that too. Like if you Mm -hmm. look at both those guys, they're way more comfortable stepping into a pull-ups, getting into a step back than they are kind of like one, two catch and shoot jumper, which is cool. Like there are people like that. But the difference is, Killian's like a career ninety percent three point shoot, uh, free throw shooter. Maxi isn't. Not that's not to right. say not a good mm-hmm. shooter, but Killian like it's tough because yeah. he really ha- he really hasn't been a good shooter for like three. It's this has been like three years now. This is nothing new. It wasn't a fluke year. Um, but you just have to like the development for him as a pull up shooter is beyond impressive, and that is much harder than catch and shoot shooting, in my I, opinion. Like, exactly. does that mean that the does that mean that the catch and shoot shooting is a lock to come around because he figured it out off the bounce? No, not, not at all. But am I willing to bet on that guy more than someone else in the draft with maybe a similar shooting profile? Yeah, hundred percent. So exactly. I think that's going to come around. But you, if with us, like you would minimize the weaknesses
2: and maximize the strengths. Exactly, and just and just and just the fact that you know, in the pick and go, in pick and roll heavy league. People like, you know, when Frank when Frank runs pick and roll, people like to step under. Mm-hmm. That's not happening with Killian. He's gonna be able to Mm-mm. pull that. And that's and that's gonna open up so much more once he once he's able to do that. If we ever, if we're able to get him. Uh, yeah.
1: I don't know, do you guys wanna add anything? Ryan, Ryan, Kathy, or are you I mean, with Killian Hayes, like I mean, I guess I guess the both of you pretty much said everything about Killian Hayes. Um, if I'm the Knicks at number eight. Keely Hayes would be like one of my top choices. Um, There is another choice, a number I, I do want to talk about, though, which recently like I've been reading up on and I watched some highlights and he's caught my eye and I'm like, the Knicks do need a type this type of player on their team, somebody who can really shoot the ball from three and that's Devin Vassell. He, mm-hmm. he looks like the typical three and D wing, which I, so, I feel like the Knicks do need somebody like that on their squad.
3: I mean, I love that we can like see each other on video now cause you can see me smiling. I wanted to talk about it, <laughs> I wanted to, I love Devin Bissell, like love, love, love Devin Bissell. Um, I think I have him like eighth on my board, but that doesn't like, well, as once you get to a point, it's like, okay, it's sixth, seventh, eighth. What, what are we really doing here? Right. I, anyways, I love Devin Bissell. And I think he's without a doubt, now that LaMelo is kind of out of reach, he is without a doubt, this might my second, like number two on my next board. Um. With Den Vassell, you he's going to provide us with something that we haven't had in a few years, and that's reliable wing shooting from the yeah. jump, like exactly what you mentioned. But what I love more about Dembélé is we've—I've been preaching on every Knicks podcast, Knicks show, whatever—we need good basketball players, right? Like we right. can't keep getting these like swing for the fences guys that don't pan out, and we keep doing this cycle. We need good basketball players, and in this entire class, I'm really confident that like. If I were to pick three players that are going to be positive impact NBA players, Dembisell would be one of them because his skill set is really tailor-made for today's game. He's not like a theoretical 3 and D guy. Like a lot of these players get pegged at. Like he's legitimately good at both right now. Mm. He'll step in there. His release point is incredible. He literally, he's like never-ending arms and utilizes that to to his advantage. His release point is above his head. Every, like every shot he takes is pretty much contested. Nice. And that's not a bad, like, it's a bad thing, I guess, cause you're like, oh, he can't create his own looks, like what whatever, but you're not gonna rely on, And he's making them, he's right. making then tough shots something. at a very high yeah. clip and he's taking them at a high clip. So I was really, I, I, we talk about off the bounce dribble progression, like he was in the zeroth percentile, I believe in pull up jumpers as a freshman, I'm pretty sure. And now he's in like the 60th, which is, Whoa. I mean, absolutely remarkable. Okay. Yeah, he basically didn't take them at all last year and didn't make them. And now it was a patent part of his game. He was attacking closeouts. Uh, he's getting to his spots. He's very comfortable. The one to you drew will pull up. Hmm. And I just think, like, there is some untapped upside as a potential shot, like, tough shot maker. I don't think he'll... He'll never be this, like, Paul George wing initiator who's going to, like come off the bounce do a step back create his own shot but he's going to demand closeouts because he's a very reliable catch and shoot shooter and with those closeouts he's going to be able to attack them uh, as a passer he's a little bit interesting he has his games that are he has his on games he has his off games i wouldn't necessarily say it's like a trademark of his game like i like josh green a lot as a half-court passer mm-hmm. i like uh as a coral a lot as a half-court passer like right. as wings i don't think the is necessarily a plus passer however like he has made some pretty like eye-opening reads and I'm willing to think that that might improve going forward, but he is such a good skill set already and it's so tailor-made and it all fits together right now that he, he, even if that playmaking doesn't come around, he's still going to be a big-time impact player with the shooting, with the shot making, and just as a team defense menace. Like He will, show up our, he will be a, a big-time contributor on the defensive end from day one. I strongly believe that.
2: That's 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 a huge that's a huge deal for us because uh, we like you said we haven't had that in a long time and that would definitely shore it up. I have a different philosophy though, not that he's a good player because um, we all we listen. Knicks have holes everywhere. That's <laughs> that's an understatement, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but when I think about the total makeup of the team, if you, I we have RJ, I might be a little bit higher in RJ than you, Jake. Because I I still feel like he'll figure it out eventually. We have Mitch in my mind. I know it's not you know Everybody doesn't agree with this, but in my mind we go point guard. In my mind, so yeah. So, so
3: I agree with you. Like I I do agree with you.
2: Um, and that's why I
3: Killian is point blank number one to me. Right. Where the where it gets complicated, and I there's two like combo ish guards that I think we both want to talk about in Cole Anthony and Kyrie Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, where it gets dicey is that. I don't, I'm not comfortable saying, and I really like both of them a lot, Cole Anthony and Kyra Lewis. I'm not really comfortable saying either of those guys are point guards, right? Like I'm not comfortable handing them the keys to my offense. So then we kind of run into this like thing where it's like, okay, we have combo guards, but we still don't have a true point guard. So, for me like the knicks need to address their point guard situation we cannot go we can't not address that in the off season whether it's free agency or the draft if it's the draft you get killian or lamella if you don't get either one of those guys you have to sign a point guard like you just have to i just don't want to feel like oh we need to get a point guard and then kind of pass up on someone like Vassell, who can really be a positive player and a good piece in our future because like we think we need a point guard you know like i i don't want to be so pressed on hitting a position that we kind of strike out and get the wrong guy there you know what i'm saying yeah
2: you know what too i agree with you i guess it depends on how high or low are you on the point guards that are left because i guess for me for me right now i'm pretty high on kira Mm -hmm. not so much on cole yeah and because i'm kind of high on kira and i think I feel like that can work because of um, you know the the speed and I, I feel like the passing can get there because some of the some of the passes he's made are are kind of nuts. Yeah, but, I, but he's inconsistent with that. But you, f- I'm thinking, oh well, maybe you can share the point guard duties with. I feel like I know you don't like RJ as as uh, as running. Um- <laughs> Point two. I I've just seen, I seen some of those Duke games. And I'm like, he had some 10 assist games where he was making some nice reads at the top of the key. So I'm just like, so Hey, so we can get some so two point what else, things what going else
3: say, and be okay in my mind. So what i say about RJ is like, I wa- in my opinion, the best passing game of like his Duke, te- his Duke um, career was Virginia Tech. And I actually was lucky enough to watch a game in person. They nice. played down in DC. And he was really, really good there. And I was really impressed watching him in person there. And then kind of going through the tape, like rewatching it again, a lot of those reads are like premeditated pick and roll reads, which is not a bad thing by Mm -hmm. any means. Like the thing with RJ is I do believe he has the ability to pass. It's just the wiring. Like, are you willing to pass? Mm -hmm. And in that setting, you saw him make these really simple reads. I'm coming around the pick and roll. I'm going to look off the corner shooter. I'm going to hit the dive, man. Great. That's awesome. If you can do that in the NBA at a consistent level, that's a big plus for someone like RJ. Where I get a little bit concerned is like R.J. is really, I'm not going to say really bad. He's not strong as an improviser, right? Like in terms of driving into the paint, attracting defense, reading where someone's going, even making one guy commit when he shouldn't and then dropping it off or kicking it out. Like he's not great there yet. And while there's still feel like he can still develop that with more reps, I'm a little less skeptical than that. Fully comes around. Do I trust RJ to run a secondary pick and roll and make the right read out of that? 100% I do. And I think that will come around eventually. I don't think he's this like big wing where you can give him the ball. So I do think like in our best interest long-term, we're going to have at least one or two handlers alongside of him. Right. But I do think you also need to prioritize floor spacing. And like, that's where if you have an issue with Killian, like that is where I it's okay. But I just think like, everything else is too good to pass that up, you know?
2: I feel you. I guess for me, too, with Kira is the shooting is still... Like, the shooting isn't horrible with Kira, so it's like, all right. So,
3: I... I really like Ky- I, I've so I've been on Kyrie Lewis as a top ten guy like since early December. I watched one of his I I liked him a lot as a returner, and you know in the beginning of the college basketball season everyone's playing all these random teams and it's kind of hard to decide who to watch. Mm-hmm. So whatever I picked one of the Bama like I think he was playing Penn or something. I was like holy shit like this guy is crazy like he is blowing by everyone. He's making these one or two like one handed exactly. live whip passes all around the court. He's like this dude is real deal. Then he kind of hit a little bit of a slump early on. And then in like February-ish, late January, he really, really turned it on. Like yeah, yeah. he turned really, it back. Yeah, exactly. And he was really impressive. The thing I'll say, like, he suffers a little bit from like not RJ syndrome because he's a lot better as a decision maker, but in terms of like improvising, he doesn't throw a lot of like pocket passes or a mm-hmm. lot of like quick drop-offs. It's A lot of them are that, like, one-handed whip pass to an open shooter, which is cool. Like, that is not a bad thing. But when you're projecting someone as a potential primary and a potential point guard, you have to take into account how versatile are, are they as a passer. Where are their pass locations similar? Are they different? Are they throwing different types of passes? Honestly. Are they mixing up their reads? And I I think Kira took a huge step up as a passer. The reason I'm still kind of pegging him as like a combo type is because I just didn't see enough versatility as a passer. Like he is extremely effective at what he's good at. And he's good at driving, getting into the second level of the defense with pure speed and burst and making them pay with a one-handed pass out to a shooter. Mm -hmm. Like that is bread and butter. He is cold. He will do that forever. What I'm a little less, like you don't see him making these tight little wraparound passes to the big on the roller. And look, this is me being really, really nitpicky because I really do love Kyra Lewis. And like, I've always been team Cole, like ahead of Kyra but I'm really like starting to, uh, that's like starting to mess with my head. And that's what kind of why I wish the draft was like a month ago. When you spend too much time with these guys, <laughs> in my head. like we're approaching like 12 months yeah, now where I've man. been watching these guys. And that is not good. Like, I'm just going to say that is not good. But um, with Kyra, like I really, really like him a lot. And I like that he can go on and off the ball, like seamlessly. And I'm, I'm more confident in like Cole as a self creator, right? Like he has that, mm-hmm. he has a step back. He can get to his spots. He's a really good pull up shooter. I think Cole is a better slasher. Um, I have concerns with Kyra around the rim. He's not a great vertical athlete. So he gets blocked a lot, takes off too far from the rim. Like th- there's some things there um i mean obviously cole was a really poor finisher and i think that was one of my biggest points when i was on here last time yeah exactly um since then i watched like since then he came back from the injury i think that was before he came back from the injury so he came back from the injury played a bunch of really good games i was able to dive into all those and i wrote a big piece about him that i'll tweet once i tweet out the link for the pod um that basically dove into like the team context and the stuff that he was faced with there are two bigs in the lane at all times right when he goes to drive however he doesn't read that. And instead of like pulling up for a floater, he just tries to go into the rim. So it's like, which, which, who are you placing that blame on? I think it's on the bigs. Like as a guard, mm. you're coming down downhill, full speed. You want to go up, you want to be able to extend at the rim and get all the way to the rim. Especially Cole who has been a power guard for basically his entire life. Um, I know he had said on like an interview or a pot or an interview on a podcast that he was playing like, the entire season, like 70%. And I see that because, like, he just wasn't as bursty as he was in high school. So does that come back? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I'm a little bit worried about Cole in New York because I get worried that they're going to give him the keys and he's going to just shoot, like, 18 shots a game. And, and like it's not great. It's not good for anyone. Like that's really not good for anyone versus someone like Kyra. You can kind of weave him into that like combo guard role. Exactly. He can be a transition point guard, but mm-hmm. off the ball, he can be a reliable catch and shoot shooter. He can attack closeouts. Like
2: I'm, I'm
3: I just this. think it, 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 they're for New York. And listen, I don't want to say that contradiction. I threw out a mock draft the other, the other night and I was like, what I would do for each team. And I had the Knicks taking Cole over Kyra. Cause he was like higher on my board. And that I've been thinking about. And I was like, Cole in New York would kind of be a, like that could be a disaster like I'm just <laughs> yeah well, you heard that Kathy <laughs> like, I love I Cole too it. I mean I love Cole too I really do know. like I, I think he was dealing with some serious shit in a million different ways this past year that I wouldn't really wish on any top prospect but I, I'm just a little bit worried that like he won't that New York wouldn't be able to slot him into his ideal role and then he kind of gets overextended you know
2: that's
1: exactly my you want to say something Ryan yeah I just have a question about Kyra Mm -hmm. because to me when I look at like the draft or or, or whatever the case may be like would you think that he's good value at number eight because according to like what I see like he I think he would go lower in the draft like what's what like what kind of situation would you think the Knicks would have to be in to get Kyra because to me it would seem like the Knicks would have to probably trade down to yeah. get him and probably pick up more assets rather than just picking him at Aiden like you know you know going for like I guess the hope that he's going to be this spectacular point guard and you're going to pick him over other guys where you know it seems like he's going to go like later in the draft
3: right I mean like so I mean there's a bunch of different ways. like I don't know where anyone's stock is right now. I'm just going to be completely honest. There is no Mm -hmm. consensus. Like, since there was no combine, there usually we get two months of these guys. Like, everyone knows who's going where. And the entire draft cycle kind of just got turned upside down this year for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw a mock with Precious in the top 10, like, multiple mocks, and I would never have him close to, like, never, ever have him close to top 10. So... And Kyra is in late teens, early twenties, and I think that's crazy. So, I, there, I agree with the philosophy of look: if the pick hits, it doesn't matter where you take them, right? Like when All we right. look back, when we look back at these redrafts, we can say, "Oh my God, the Knicks! You passed on SGA, yeah. and you took." you took Kevin Knox. If Kevin Knox was a stud, we wouldn't be saying that. We're only saying that because Kevin Knox was like statistically the worst player in the NBA. So like that's why we're going back to the NBA. That's why we're going back to the redrafts and criticizing them. Like no one's like, I'm trying to think of a better
2: example, but like, you know what I'm saying. Like no, no yeah. MPJ too MPJ's MPJ MPJ's been balling lately, and it was like, oh, we Knicks passed on 100. Hindsight is always
0: 2020.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, hindsight is always 2020. But if you get your guy and he works out, there really can't be anything against that. Like that's kind of where my point is. So while Kyra's stock might be a little bit lower, like look at the Suns last year for Cam Johnson, they were at 11. Cam Johnson was likely a late teens, early 20s guy. He was mm-hmm. their player. They took him at eleven. I thought it was a reach, not a inc- not an insane reach, but I thought it was a little bit of a reach. But he worked out for them, and and no one when you when we look back at this redraft, we're never going to criticize the Suns and say, oh, they took him at eleven. They could have trade down and got him at nineteen. Like at some point, that's your guy. Don't risk anything. Go get him. You know, and especially with someone as like up in the air as Kyra, I have no idea where his stock could be. Like. It, it wouldn't shock me if there was a team in the top 10 that's in love with him, you know?
2: Um, I'm going to be honest. I would take him at eight.
3: I would take him <laughs> at eight too. I, I would take I would him take at
1: him. eight I, like, I would.
2: To me, it's just like, even with, even with his limitations, bec- I still feel like it's enough ball handling and enough. He, he's able to break down a team enough to at least initiate an offense and get everybody else going, even though he can't make all the the, the pocket passes. Right now, hopefully he can. Eventually, but I think that's the point of having him and RJ together. You know, you can still have RJ do your his his secondary, uh, yep. dribble penetration, uh, to the to out pick and roll thing, and it will work for the next to me. So I, I have him at eight. If if Killian is not there, yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree.
1: I don't know. For me, Kyra's, Kyra's gonna be my third choice. Like if, if Killian and, <laughs> and, and Vassal's not there, then then I go Kyra, but. For me, my top two is Killian and Vass. Those are two guys I'm looking at. I'm, and I'm with like, you. I'm with you, Yeah, those are, those are the ones I want.
3: <laughs> I'm with you 100%. 100% I'm not with mad. those two. I'm not
1: mad. Vass
3: I'm not- is the real deal, man. If I... I don't know. He's been messing with my head. I might have to move him up. He's been messing with my head for way too long now.
2: Listen, Knicks fans, a lot of Knicks fans have him out at 8. I've seen him at 8. I've seen Cole. I've seen... I feel like Killian is gaining some 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 traction lately, which I like a lot. Yeah, uh, so uh, it's it's gonna be a, a lot of debates, and I've even seen some names. Out, I'm like, okay, all right. Can we can I talk about uh, Poku? I, yeah, that, that, like exactly him. yes.
3: So like it's like it's like. Spencer. Wait, I have a
0: question before you guys deep dive deeper. Yeah. Do you think too that it's sometimes that it's just that the Knicks show their hand too too often, too quick? Like we usually like tell people and tell everybody what we want to go after or who we want or like everybody we already know what we need but I I feel like sometimes the Knicks just we just show our hand too much and because of that the league kind of like plays on it
3: yeah no I do think it's kind of interesting because I was thinking back at this and I was like I have no idea who the Knicks are want or or are going to take but this like I felt like when they took Frank everyone kind of knew they were going to take Frank and when they took right. Knox everyone kind of knew they were going to take Knox and yeah we're a long way away from the draft and all this stuff kind of leaks eventually but I do think it's an interesting point and like I, I don't know I think like the league might like prey on the Knicks.
0: <laughs> they they don't really do do <laughs> the fact that Golden State got two and we got eight is, right. <laughs> is Those,
3: signs that you know. I mean look we have a new front office we have New draft people in town. Hopefully, they think keep things close to the vest. I think everything is going to be a little I bit hope. closer to the vest this year. I, and I, I hope and so because I
0: feel like if we if we do that, it'll work in our favor more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those pieces or a lot of those players that are up for grabs won't look as attractive. Yeah, because Knicks are t- like the minute everyone we start talking about a thing or we start talking about a player, it's like they're gone.
3: Yeah, I mean I think Golden yeah. State has legitimately sent out a leak yep. that they're going to take every single yep. player in the top yep. 10. Like I think <laughs> since January if yep. you follow like Real GM, I'm pretty sure Real GM has posted a like article well, the Warriors would take Tyrese Halbert in the top three. They would take James Wiseman. They want Anthony Edwards. They would mm-hmm. get Lamella Ball. But, but the like, funny
0: thing is too that half some of those players they don't even need. A lot of those no. pieces they don't need. And I yeah. think I think I think it's more so just for hype. That's why it's more Yeah, It's just for hype. It's 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 hype and it's it's what's gonna um get people talking and it's just like y'all not taking half of those players. Yeah, y'all don't need them.
3: <laughs> and literally the thing is I, I'm leaving for school tomorrow. I'm fully prepared for everyone at school to ask me like where player X is going. I have no idea. I, Nobody I don't, know, I know just as much. My Intel sources are looking at ESPN mock drafts and <laughs> and like, cause that's the best sense of Intel. I have no connections we all have the same resources in terms of intel i know who should go where i don't know who is going where Mm -hmm. and this year especially it's just everything is really really up in the air like someone like poku he could go late first round and i wouldn't be surprised and someone could take him at six and i'd be like okay cool let's 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 get into poku if he doesn't go high i see the spurs taking him yeah so poku poku basically he He originally gets like pegged as this unicorn, right? He's a seven. He's super young for the class. He's still 17, I think. Or like if he turned 18, it was extremely recent. So super, super young. He's basically my age. He's seven feet tall. He moves like no one I've ever seen before. Like so fluid. Uh, I have a clip on my Twitter of him like sliding with the guard at half court and then flipping his hips, opening up back to the center of the floor and swatting his like light, like Layup attempt at the rim, and it was just mesmerizing. Like, that's the stuff that I'm like, whoa, I've never ever seen that before. Mm -hmm. Um, Defensively, like, he's super skinny. He's like, if you think Porzingis was skinny, (laughs) Poku is even skinnier. Like, he gets bullied by people that have no business playing the same basketball court as him just from a skill perspective but defensively he's really interesting as like an event creator right like he's he's super anticipatory he's i mean he's lengthy he's quick so a lot they result in some like freakish steals and blocks but he is kind of prone to gamble and his motor isn't always running so like i'm going to be really interested to see what he looks like as a defender when he gets to the league because like it's kind of a boomer bust possession from him on defense. Like either he makes a crazy highlight play or he gets caught sleeping and gets back door. Like, Yikes. those, like, team defense struck. But again, he's super, super young and, like, he's kind of all over the place right now as a basketball player. Offensively is really where it's like, whoa, like, what did I just see there? He can handle, like, he can legitimately handle the ball. Not, Not, like, a point point center because those guys don't exist but like he can run off of a pin down he can run off a dribble handoff he can attack closeouts he can mm. make live drill passes with both hands um That's he seven just, yeah seven feet tall like he just does some wicked stuff like he threw i was watching a game the other day and like you remember those like touch passes and transition like I, I I'm trying to think who like used to like mass him, but it's like it'll literally just like a tap. Like he did like yeah. a little tap pass behind his head. Like I was Ooh. like, what the hell? Like I, I don't. Okay. I, I okay, mean, Joker. Some, I to put, I wanted to post the clip on Twitter so bad, but like someone. Gave me access to the games Confidentially And said Don't let anyone know You're watching these So oh. I, That one's saved on my computer In all caps I'm like One day One day I'm gonna get <laughs> um, It is like Seriously Send that to me
2: I won't, send, I, won't, I won't show it Alright <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drop it to you on Twitter But basically like, It is one of the wildest clips I've seen And um, It's it just like Those little flashes It's like Okay like These aren't like Flashes of Like Okay He can maybe do that He can maybe do this These are flashes of like Brilliance And it's like Yes, is there a chance that his frame just never holds up and he can't gain traction? And for me, the biggest concern is the shooting because his entire offensive game is basically predicated around him being super tall and super, like, coordinated on the perimeter. Mm. And the percentages haven't necessarily been there and the mechanics are a little bit inconsistent when you watch. Like, it's fluid. He gets up and he gets great elevation um, It's smooth. It's one motion. But the the finish, like sometimes his wrist flares a little bit in, sometimes flares a little bit out, sometimes it's mm. in finish. Um, it, It's not a polished product. However, if the percentages are there and we're talking about shooting projection, like I really value volume and versatility. Right. And he has both of those. Like he takes a nice. lot of them and he takes a lot of hard threes. So I think there's definitely room for him to grow as a shooter. The turning point for me as an evaluator when I really start to get him is instead of looking at him as this like unicorn five, because I couldn't get, I was like, he's going to get bullied by any center. If he's a I five. Mean, like, he can't hold up. He just can't hold up. Yeah. So instead of looking at him as this unicorn center, I started to like, look at him through the lens of being a modern four, right? Like just a bigger modern four, because I believe that he's going to have no issues sliding on the perimeter. Like that's not going to be an issue for him. And as the modern four, he won't have the responsibilities of like being in all the actions. He can kind of be like that corner weak side guy Mm -hmm. where he can really leverage like the, the event creation. He can come in for a weak side block. He can rotate for a a crazy steal. Like I think him being a four kind of benefits him on both ends of the floor. he's a high, I I mean, everyone says he's a high risk, high reward. I don't even think he's that high of a risk to be honest. Like I think, I think he's too good at too many things on the basketball court to like not stick whether, whether he is this crazy star that's to be determined, but I I think he finds a way in the league. I really do. So when you Um, have,
2: so if you, if you're going to lean on a certain skill in this for him, it would be a, what his, was well, deep well not? it wouldn't be his defense.
3: I I mean I hate to say it. it it's got to be movement. Like it ha- it's got to be movement and coordination at seven feet tall. Because it, it's pr- it's just that outlier that I've I've never seen anything like it before. And it's evident within one game. It's like hold on. Okay, what did he just do? And he has the skills and like ambitious wiring. To go along with that that make it so useful like he's comfortable attacking closeouts and throwing passes he's comfortable getting into the lane and do and tossing up like crazy floaters he's comfortable taking pull-up jumpers so he's not like he is really wild as a player like he's out there he's willing to try new things and this coordination and movement skills like all they do is enable him to pull them off and like you and utilize these skills and maximize them in terms of impact on the court. So like, I hate to say movement cause it's not like a basketball skill, like right passing, shooting, whatever. Right. Yeah. But the movement is really what unlocks like everything about his game. And that's where the appeal
2: comes from. I see the, that's what, it scares me though to take him that high only because, because I feel like because there isn't a, I don't know what's going to translate right away thing. It makes me, Oh, I've always, um, you know, I mean,
3: Sp- Spencer o- o- wants the Knicks to take him. I'm. I've, totally. We've talked about it. I'm a little bit less cautious because we don't really, I mean, one, we don't really have anyone right now. So, like, and mm-hmm. I, over the past seven years, I haven't seen much that shows I should really trust our player development staff. And um, now
2: it's the other thing I was about to get into. It was like, to me, it seems like with this guy, we're going to have to give him some time. No, no 100% we've, have to give him some time. We've, Looks like we're going all in on player development for the first time. We brought in these new guys. We, brought, we got a, uh, 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 I forgot the I forgot the gentleman's name from Utah, who trained um, Dame Dallas and Paul Ma- yeah. Paul Millsap and yeah. Donovan Mitchell, and so maybe it'll be different this time. Who knows? But I mean, listen,
3: if if you trust your player development staff, and everyone always says if you if you trust your strength and conditioning, you have to take him, like. Dudes are just skinny. Like Porzingis Porzingis is a perfect example. His his frame is skinny. Porzingis is never going to be jacked. Does that mean he can't be good on the basketball court? No, not at all. To me, it's do you trust your development? And trust that you're going to be able to hone in on what makes him great and kind of eliminate all the bullshit that, like, makes him this wild guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He's I uh, don't picture him being anything other than, like, a frail seven-footer, right? At, at any point during his career, I'd be shocked.
2: Yeah, like, I, I can see an injury coming, man. I can see Unicorn yeah. Part 2 with the, with the AC. I can see it. Hey, man. I, <laughs> it scares I, me. I'm not qualified enough to speak on injuries, but
3: what I will say is, like, that dude has a special array of skills that mm-hmm.
2: it, it's, it's
3: intriguing. It's intriguing.
2: All right. All right. I mean, I'll leave too, it at uh, that. I, I definitely okay. seen Spencer really tout. Oh, dude! He Spencer loves that he's, man. He loves, he <laughs> Spencer loves some Poku, man. Yeah, he's a Poku man for real. 100%. We're right
0: KP's injury came because he was carrying a heavy load. Like at least, like there are a few more pieces that he won't have to like exert himself as much as KD did. So
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Also, you know, when you're seven feet tall and your frame, and you know, when you're when you're seven feet tall, moving like that, it just it's just so alien. Just, <laughs> I mean he's an anomaly like exactly. Uh, just he's, being honest I've
3: never seen anything like that and it's just people are going to be like whoa like that that dude is he's something different
2: exactly and you just don't know what's going to happen you just no don't idea. you just don't know what's going to happen so it's like all right I mean I'm I'm not as high as you and Spencer but I do recognize the 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 potential there yeah I mean yeah. I still have him he's still in like 10 or 11 for me because I Okay I, the, First the had, right?
3: The, the part that I don't really, I can't buy into him as an offensive player because I don't know where the shooting nets out. Like if he's not a good shooter, it's going to be really tough for him on offense because he's not necessarily beating guys off the bounce. The passing value comes with him as a movement shooter and, ro- and like bending defenses and drawing closeouts and going from there. He's not sizing dudes up and he's not running a pick and roll. So, if he can't shoot and he's not demanding closeouts and he's not not demanding hard coverages at the three point line, I think you could really see him having a tough time on offense. And then, with that, like there are still questions on defense. Is he going to be able to clean up his decision making? Is he going to go for good gambles? Like he has a lot of bad gambles, you know? And look, he's 18 years old. Uh, I try not to say that about a lot of guys because everyone is super young in the draft. But he's basically like a year, a full year behind all the top prospects, which is definitely noteworthy. Exactly. Um, he's just kind of like it's going to be. He's a super interesting case study. Uh, I, I can't. That's like the biggest point I can leave you guys with.
2: Well, I'll, I'll say this though: Knicks have Perrin right now. Mm-hmm. Who's had a, you know a, a pretty good track record of picking guys? He's in there in the draft room with these guys. We just got Johnny Bryan, like I talked about him a minute ago. Another Utah guy. Mm-hmm. These Utah guys are good at developing as we've seen before. So if the Knicks pick this guy, I'm going to trust a little bit more that we picked the right guy. Cause I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was not picking, I was not excited about the Knox pick and you can go back and look at the archives and see <laughs> me and Ryan talking about the Knox pick. Oh, I was not we excited about the Knox pick. We was tearing him a new one. Yeah. <laughs> I, t- I tweeted. Um,
3: so Kevin Knox he had one really, really good game in, in college. It was at West Virginia where he dropped like 35. And I think the night of the draft, I was just like, yep, I'm going to be drowning myself in Kevin Knox highlights at West Virginia. Like that was it. That was all there was to it. Um, yeah, it's the, the Knicks have had a, t- there's no sugarcoating it. The Knicks have had a really, really tough time drafting, especially in this like 8 to 11 range. And that's exactly where we're at right now.
2: It, and yeah. it, and cra- the crazy part is we keep finding ourselves in this 8 to 11 range. And if you look at all the history, you, you'll see all this... Ooh, most of the superstars are in the eight to eleventh range. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the Knicks. <laughs> except I think, when it comes to the Knicks. Except when I it think, comes to. I
1: think there was a stat though. I don't like. I think I don't know if it was ESPN or I don't. I forgot where the stat came from, but it basically showed like every player the Knicks picked that number eight throughout their history, and none of these guys average over ten points a game. And I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but. I'm hopeful, man. I'm hopeful. New New regime, new hope. New regime, new hope. Whatever (laughs) we gotta do to talk ourselves into it. I mean, is there anyone else you guys want to
3: talk about? We can. You want to talk? We can end on Hallie. You wanna? You want to end on Hallie? Because I think he's gonna be there.
2: Okay. I. I I mean, I think he might be there. Why not? All right.
1: (laughs) there's gonna be more hater comments. All right. All right. This is gonna. Let's get these thumbs down going. I'm gonna put my quote up right there. I'm
3: setting. I'm starting with a very straight up quote. Tyrese Halliburton is a very good basketball player. Okay, let's get that out of the way. Very very good basketball player. They're not gonna hear that part, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> JLS is trying to get me in trouble. I swear, I swear, he's going to get me in trouble.
1: I'm
2: sorry, you did this last. You did this last video too, and Tyrese. ignored all. They ignored all the good things you said about him about him being just, a savant. I, I, I just want this. Who here, says so? savant? You said Savant and they still hate it, but go ahead.
3: So that's like the best comment you can give a basketball player. Anyways, I'm, I'm clipping this. I'm clipping me saying Tyrese Halliburton is very good basketball player. So all, all Knicks fans are in my comments. I'm just going to reply with this YouTube clip of me saying he is very good at basketball. Okay. I don't hate him. I don't think he sucks. That, none of that is true. However, Tyrese Halliburton would be a disastrous fit with the Knicks because he is a linking piece in the NBA. He is a very good catch-and-shoot shooter. He has not shown the ability to shoot off of movement. He has not shown the ability to shoot off of pin downs. He has not shown the ability to shoot off the bounce. However, he's a very good catch-and-shoot shooter. He ranked like in the 99th percentile as catch-and-shoot shooter this year. The mechanics are wonky, but he gets it off quickly. He has range, and he's extremely accurate. I think that is the most translatable part of his game. He's going to space the floor reliably for his entire NBA career. I have no doubts about that, no matter what it looks like. He is not a point guard. Tyrese Halliburton is not a point guard. Get that through your heads. He is 6'5", with an extremely skinny frame, no handle, and very limited burst.
2: When you say no handle, <laughs> break down no handle. This is where the confusion comes down. Break if, Ty- down no- if Tyrese
3: Halliburton was in a summer league game at Dykeman Park, he would have a very tough time scoring in
1: double digits. Oh, damn, at Dykeman Park? <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, give it a, like, they give it a crazy indictment i mean a lot dykeman, of people might dykeman's have no joke <laughs> dykeman's
3: no joke dykeman yeah. is no joke and my point like the connotation that comes to me saying that is he, he can't create his own bucket right like they don't exactly. run pick and rolls at dykeman they don't run yeah. pick and rolls at dykeman and i'm not saying whoever can play the best at dykeman is going to be the best nba player but as an nba point guard if you can't let create advantages and move the defense on your own. It's going to be really, really tough for you to succeed. And that's why I'm a bit lower on Tyrese Halliburton as a passer, because I just don't think like college teams didn't know how to play him. They played him way too aggressively. He is conservative. He's noteworthy. Like he is notably pass first. That is very easy to tell. And college teams were still rotating all around, to not let him get to the rim, even though he couldn't even get to the rim. But like the thing with Halliburton is he is going to be at his best. If he lands, if he lands in Phoenix, he's going to be a stud. Like that dude will be a stud. Oh yeah. He's going to just play off the ball. He's going to knock down catch and shoot shots. He's going to make incredible plus one passes. He can attack. He can like put the ball in the deck a little bit and make a great decision. He can be a good team defender. But if you're coming in and asking Tyrese Halliburton to lead your team in any type of way and to leverage and move the defense and create these windows of like to make passes and just be a legit primary you're going to put yourself in a lot of trouble because he's not capable of doing that he's just not
2: so what you're saying is <laughs> <laughs> alright I'm going to leave it right there I'm going to leave it right there, I'm gonna leave it right there. Um, yeah I'm passing on Halley too as well I think that's, that's not a secret I like the guy but I just I, I, at this point we have, I compared to Frank before it's, I, 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 I gave Frank, I'm
3: not going to call it a shout out cause it wasn't very positive, but in, in my article <laughs> about, in my article about Tyrese Halliburton, I wrote that how like it be, it becomes that much harder to be an effective playmaker. If the defense does not respect you as a scorer, just right. Frank, Frank is a good passer. He may, he is a yeah. smart basketball player. But the windows for Frank are so much smaller because no one is gravitating to him as a scorer. Take someone like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has made an incredible leap as a playmaker, yeah. but the windows are so easy. It's wide open because he's getting into the he's getting into the paint, mm-hmm. penetrating the defense. He's making everyone move. Like he's not making complex passes, but the reads are there because he's creating advantages. Like Russell Westbrook is the best like advantage creator. And I wouldn't even say, like, Russell Westbrook, if you watch him, he can get 10 assists a game without really, like, he doesn't have to run a pick and roll, move the help, and throw an insane, like, skip pass to the corner. Like, his assists are not Luka Doncic assists. But Russell Westbrook can easily get 10 or 11 assists a game by just creating advantages and getting to the rim and shifting the defense and making drop-off passes. Tyrese Halliburton can't shift the defense. So I think you're going to see a lot of teams play him like the college team should have played him and everyone says oh you just run a pick and roll for him well the pick and roll is actually more dicey than you think it is because i don't trust him shooting off the bounce and exactly I so to- you can just run in theory you can just run a drop coverage against him with the guard defender trailing around staying on his hip making things difficult from behind and the big is just going to drop and okay fine take your floater Take your floater because he's not finishing around bigs at the rim and he's not going to pull up for a jumper and punish you and drop coverage. So it's really interesting to see like, okay, if NBA teams adopt a more conservative coverage, especially in the pick and roll with regards to Halliburton, how is he really going to exploit them? You know?
2: Yeah, he's going to be in trouble. And and the crazy part about it is. Frank will actually pull up and hit that mid range. I mean, that's kind of weird, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a yeah. little advantage. That's a little advantage Frank has that over over Halley Burton if you're trying to find one. I'm not trying, yeah. trying to make this to a Frank versus Halley thing, but it's just, you know, something. To keep in mind. But um, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm passing on Halley for sure.
3: I agree. I'm with you. I and it's not against the guy's a great basketball player and if he finds himself in the right fit, he's going to have a good career it's for fun. a long time and like you can see him being a linking piece on a championship team. Like he can be a he's a winner. Like he mm-hmm. can be a winner. He's just not going to be maximized with the New York Knicks and it's just not a good use of our pick at eight.
2: Yeah. I agree. I agree there. Um I think we cover everybody that there could be at eight. I know I don't, and I think it's been it's been some time. You gotta go, right, Jake? Or yeah,
3: I, I gotta go. Oh, I gotta deal with some college stuff, as you guys know. I'm heading out right. tomorrow, but I had to get right, one right. last talking with my guys at Kot. All right, man. Yo,
2: <laughs> yo, thank you big time for, for stopping through, man. Appreciate you talking some nicks with us, man. Of and course. Breaking down this APIC, man. Definitely gonna have you back whenever you we have time to talk, or you. We'll we'll be us in now. touch. I'm, I'll be back. I'll be back. We'll definitely be back, man. That is Jake. Jake in the paint, man. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you guys for having me. Word, word. Good uh, luck. Thank yeah, good you. Good luck. Thank yo. Get you. Them. That is our show. Hope you enjoyed our special guest, Jake in the paint, to break down the draft prospects. Uh, and you haven't watched our whole episode with Jake in the paint. It's definitely up. It's in our YouTube playlist. You can see all the process we talked about. So definitely check that out. Um, Also follow Jake in the paint as well on Twitter. I should have asked him about his twitter handle beforehand slipped my mind but if you follow us on youtube i'll put his, his handle in the description and definitely follow us there and yeah also follow us just follow us we're on, we're on twitter too the KOT show on twitter uh the nick time show on instagram um where you know we're, we're also on facebook as well and we're also on youtube you listen to us on youtube mm-hmm. um if you're not why if you, if you don't follow us on youtube are you dumb like what's up what's up with you, you're going to get the visuals, plus the hand gestures that we make, plus exactly. the jokes, plus cl- clips that go along with it. You're just missing out on a whole lot. So I advise you to go to YouTube.com slash Nick Show if you are not listening to us on YouTube. Yes,
1: yeah, subscribe. And, you know, sometimes we like, read some of y'all sure. comments, too, and talk about them on the show. <clears throat> so <clears throat> leave comments.
2: Yes, we do read comments. We definitely read comments, and we engage with you guys, too. Like, share, subscribe, follow, yeah. all that noise. All right so yeah and you can follow me on instagram too at j ellis draws things, no dollar sign s or anything straight up j ellis draws things j-e-l-l-i-s where can they find you lady miss black girl magic
0: i am k Steele, um underscore k-t-h-y-s-t-e-l-e on mm-hmm. the socials
2: yep so definitely follow her there on the socials and where can they find you sir
1: you can find me at Sir G is Chillin'. Sir G
2: is Chillin'.
1: That's S-I-R-G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. All right. That is our show. You're yeah. yeah, out of this, bitch. Peace. <laughs>